0: Bibles, if you will, to Deuteronomy 34, and uh, we'll start with verse 9, and I just want to remind you that this this is the week that uh, uh, I'm preparing and packing and uh, getting ready to go to Nepal. I, I leave on Saturday, this time next Sunday, I'll be somewhere over Africa. Uh, maybe in Qatar for a layover, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to be be uh, 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 all up in the air, so to speak. Amen. And next Sunday, you know, y'all just come to church and worship and pray for me. Yeah. And uh, pray that I'll arrive to in Nepal somewhat refreshed yeah. Yeah. and without jet lag. Because uh, we start our meeting the day I get there. Yeah. I arrive at 9 o'clock Monday morning and, and we start our conference that evening and uh, pray that I'll get a chance to take a nap take a shower that my luggage will arrive we've got a whole list of stuff there on those notes that that we gave you the things that you need to pray for 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 uh, the team as well as for the people we're going to minister to and Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9 It says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. Now, according to this, wisdom is a spirit. Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him, and he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now at the end of the service, before I head off for Nepal, I'm going to ask you to lay hands on me and send me out in the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints yes. and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places Far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet. I like that. Where's the devil? Where are the Democrats? Where are the communists? They're under his feet. He put all things under his feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Amen. From this scripture and the one in Deuteronomy, we need to understand that God's people that are involved in God's kingdom activity are authorized to walk in the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Amen. Now, A couple days ago I had a dream and it was in in that in that time when I'm just about to wake up and uh, and God often speaks to me right before I wake up and uh, it gets me going (laughs) and boy he got me going that day because I in this dream I was I was in a field and I was walking across this field and I heard the Lord say pay attention son and I said pay attention to what and he says pay attention to everything that the field teaches you as you walk through it and then man all of a sudden just the, all of these all of these things started flashing in my mind in, in relation to where i was in that field so I, this morning i want you to i want you to imagine that's you and you're walking through a field that is saturated with wisdom and understanding. And as you, as you become aware of of uh, of everything around you, you open up your spiritual senses, and you become aware of everything that surrounds you as you walk through that field. And as, as you walk in that revelation, you'll understand more and more about who you are, what you are, and what you are all about. And I want to talk to you about that. First of all, we need to pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. attention. You see, God's given us the spirit of wisdom and understanding. We need to understand these things. We need to understand and comprehend what's going on around us. We are not to be an uninformed people. We have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. God has given us the spiritual authority to comprehend and understand things. We're not dummies walking around in some uh, dim-witted, confused state. But we're walking in the light as He is in the light. Amen? And and I'm excited about that because according to the songs we were singing a while ago, we're walking in power and victory as well. So this is not a a death march as we walk through the field of life. This, This is an adventure. It's an exciting. The first thing I want to talk about uh, uh, in terms of the revelation is we, we remember, you know, when you're in this field, you're walking through this field, always remember where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is that important? So you won't get lost. That's right. See, if you don't remember where you entered the field, uh, then, then you're not going to be able to relate to that field properly. You'll wander around in circles. You'll never get across it. Uh, You you can wander out there until you die. And we're not called to the wilderness of wandering. We're called into the promised land. Amen? So we don't want to wander around in that field too long. And it's important to remember where you came from as well as where you're going. Psalm 40 verse 2 uh, says that he brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. We need to understand that we came from somewhere. God has brought us out of something in order to bring us into something. We're not just in that field to to uh, to just camp there. We're passing through it, and and life is about coming from somewhere and going to somewhere. Amen. We're in transit. This, whole, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My hopes are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen? But I remember where I was when He found me. That, that'll keep you from getting prideful. That'll, that'll keep you in that spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude because you remember the pit, the horrible pit that He dug you out of. Amen? Isaiah 51.1 says, Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. That's me. He's talking to us, right? Yeah. How many of you follow after righteousness and you seek the Lord? Well, he says, listen to me. Hearken unto me. He's speaking to people like us. And he says, listen, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Now that's King James for pay attention to where you came from. You won't get lost if you remember if you remember where it all started. Amen? I like to remember the day I got saved. That was a long time ago. I was twelve. <laughs> but I remember that day like it was today. And I remember how I was living. The day before, I remember the fight, the argument I got into with my siblings in the back seat of the car on the way to church that morning. We were fighting over who got to sit by the door. There were two doors in the back seat, but my oldest brother owned, claimed, and defended one of those doors. And the other door was open for grabs by the rest of us four kids. And we fought that morning, and we fought all the way to church over who got to sit by that door. And there I sat in church. And God began to convict me of my life of sin. Amen. And I went forward that day, and I got saved. I got born again, gloriously. I was a church kid. And every time the Sunday school teacher asked, how many of you are saved? I raised my hand with the rest of them. And we were all liars. But I wasn't going to be the only one. I wasn't going to get the attention of the teacher by not raising my hand. Because I, I didn't want that focus to be on me. And so I'd raise my hand. Every Sunday in Sunday school, I lied. And then I heard the scripture, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. And I didn't want to go to hell. So I got saved. I remember that. I remember how I felt in the car on the way home. I didn't want to open my mouth. I didn't care where I sat, but they let me sit by the door. Because I got saved that morning. They, they, They were in amazement. And they let me sit by the door. And I didn't I didn't want to I didn't open my mouth, I didn't want to say a word, I didn't want to talk to anybody because I didn't want to spoil that clean feeling. I remember that clean feeling like it was today. And and I and so I, I look back on that and I see I see the pit that God dug me out of. And it helps me to stay on course as I walk through the field of life. Amen. And then number two, where when you're you need to remember where you're headed as you're walking across this field, you need to have some idea of where you're going. Where are you going? (laughs) If you remember where you came from and where you're going, you'll stay on course. See, if you don't know where you came from or where you're going, you're gonna wander off course and you're gonna wind up somewhere you don't wanna go. And there are a lot of people today who have not set their eyes on a destination they have not cast their vision ahead of them to a point of, of uh, a mark for their life. And so they are lost. They're meandering. They're wondering about. They're confused. They don't have any idea who they are and what they're all about. I read something the other day that it just it kind of made me sad. Somebody said there are, there are two things that uh, uh, that really matter in life. Number one is... is uh, uh, when you were born and then uh, then the rest of your life you're struggling trying to figure out what you were born for. I and mean, I know what I was born for. I was born to do the will of God. I was born to fulfill the destiny that God had placed on my life. I, I am born to get to heaven and take as many people with me as I can. Philippians 3, 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, you know, you're out there in the middle of the field. You need to realize you do, you're not where you're going to end up. That's right. Can't stay out in the field. Can't stay out in the field. You you're headed somewhere. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, now that seems like a contradiction because I said you got to remember where you came from. But the word forgetting there means let go of, let go of the things that are behind. A lot of Christians, you know, they, they're still at the gate they came in at. You know, if you if you get born again and that's it, then basically you just came in the gate. There's a whole lot more inside this field than just just coming in the gate. A lot of folks wonder they go in and out of the gate. You know, they get in there, they backslide, they get back in, they backslide, they get back in. Well, one reason you backslide is because you stay too close to the place you came in at. You need to move into the field. You need to move forward. You need, a, you, you need a goal in mind. You need to go somewhere. Amen? Don't just hang around the gate. Get in there and get the goods. Get get into the room where all the stuff is. Press your way into the Holy of Holies where God Himself is. Don't hang around the entrance. Amen? He says, "I. I he says, I forget those things which are behind and reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus.' See, there's a there's a destination that we press for. We we're we're moving towards something. We're 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 not in the field just for the sake of being in the field. We're crossing the field to get to an, our our ultimate destination." Amen. Hebrews 12:1 says wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with a, so great a cloud of witnesses you see the, the cloud of witnesses these are the people who were in the field before us who who've already arrived at the other side and they're cheering us on. He says he says let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. See We're looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus had a mark that that he marched toward all the days of his life. He didn't live that long, but all his 33 years, he was headed towards that mark, that prize, that destiny. And that destiny was dying on the cross and rising the third day and being seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus saw all of that and He he was able to endure all that He went through because He never lost His focus on His his ultimate prize. If we will keep our eyes on the prize, we will never lose our focus and we will endure whatever we have to endure without compromise. Amen. Amen? Amen. There's no telling what you're going to run into when you're crossing that field. There may be some lions on that field. There may be there may be gopher holes. I've stepped in a gopher hole. I've broken my foot stepping in a go, go, gopher hole, and and it's not. And I was crossing a field. I was walking across the field when I stepped in the gopher hole and broke my foot. I heard it crack. When they x-rayed it, I'd broken three bones in the on the top of my foot. And today I've got a bump, I've got a bump right on the top of that foot that is, you know, the calcium buildup over the last 15 years, uh, you know, uh, and tried to heal that crack. And it's built a little bump there. And there's certain kinds of shoes I can't wear because uh, they press on that bump and I have to deal with that. And uh, and I said, well, uh," I said to the foot doctor, I said, well, can't you take that off? He said, "Oh well, we could. It'd be very expensive and be painful surgery. But yeah, we could open it up, scrape all that stuff out of there, and all that, you know." And I said, "Now yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll deal with it. I'll get, I'll, I'll ask God to heal it. And uh, you know, so that's one of my, it's on my list of things that I'm believing God for. But I know that, I know that you, when you walk across a field or you walk across a grassy lawn, you better be, you better be aware of where you're stepping." And, get, and, and realize, you know, even though while you have your eyes on the prize, you can't lose sight of your surroundings. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Amen? You know, when Peter walked on the water, he did just fine as long as he was focused on Jesus. As long as we keep our eyes on the prize, and that's Jesus, we'll do just fine. We'll even, we'll even walk in places we're not supposed to be able to walk like on top of the water as soon as he lost his focus though guess what he began to sink he began to drown and Jesus had to save him thank God Jesus saved him and by the way that wasn't the end of the story he and Jesus walked back to the boat amen it wasn't a failure story a lot of folks just leave Peter you know, uh, you know sinking why would you, why would you why would you stop until the end of the story amen Amen. We we're, we're not you know, we're not Shakespearean here. We don't like tragedies. We want we want stories with good endings. And your life is not supposed to be a tragedy. It's supposed to be a story with a good ending. Amen. Amen. I don't care if you live to be 84, Brenda. You know, you know your your ending needs to be a a, a good ending. A victorious ending. So, you know, uh, when you're 100 years old, I'll remind you of that. All right, because we tend to forget things, you know. But uh, I don't care how old you get; your ending needs to be a story of victory and not defeat. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yesterday, uh, I was able to have lunch with a, a, a friend of mine, eighty-nine-year-old friend of mine, Manuel Starling. Eighty-nine years old, and he he took he took us out into his garden, and showed us where he grows. Uh, you know all kinds of greens and onions and potatoes and whatever, and uh, then we walked over to his shop, where he works on things and builds things and does. He showed us all his lawn equipment and all this, all the stuff that he works with. I said, how, "I said, I, I, how often do you use all these things?" He said, "Well, I've used them all recently. All right. I mean, Every time I'm, I, I talk to his wife, you know, he, he he's outside somewhere chopping wood, cutting wood." He's got, a, he's got a, one of those power saws, you know, chainsaws, and he cuts down trees and saws them all up and piles everything up and burns it and cleans it up, you know. I mean, he's the church. he He's the one who mows the churchyard. Eighty-nine years old. I said, when I'm 89, I hope I'm half as stout as you are. I mean, just an amazing man. Yeah. And I really mean it. I've got my eyes on a prize that, you know, when I'm 89 years old or when I'm 94 or whatever, I want, I want, I want to be, I want to be my, like my Uncle James Isaac Thomason, who at the age of 90 fell out of a tree. All right. uh, he showed up at my dad's funeral. He had his arm in a sling. I said, Uncle, what happened to you? He said, well, I, I fell out of a tree. I said, what were you doing in a tree? He said, I was cutting off a limb and I realized too late that I was standing on it. 90, 90 years old and he was building houses at 94. He would build a house from, from foundation to roof and and then sell it and then build another house that's how he made his living and he would just and he he was up on the roof of houses roofing houses when it was 94. Yeah. amen yes, sir. now that's the record i want to beat because i don't want to get on the roof of houses now but maybe when i'm 94. who knows i always have something to look forward to but but when, when you when you're when you're headed somewhere, you're more likely to get there. You know that old saying, you know, shoot at the moon and maybe you'll hit the fence. But if you don't shoot at the moon, you're not going to hit anything. I mean, you know, you got to aim high, and uh, and and see where it lands. Praise God. When you are in the field, you need to take a t- take a um, a close look at where you're standing. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. Ephesians 6, 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand, stand therefore. We've heard that already this morning. Stand therefore. When you're out there in the field, you need to know something about the ground you're standing on. Galatians 5, 1 and 2 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty." Wherewith Christ has made us free, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We need to understand that we have a standing in God, in a place called liberty. We have we we can take our liberty as we cross this field. We're not bound. We're not. Uh, what do you call it when you hobbled? We're not like a horse who's been hobbled, but we can take long strides. We can take. F- Quick steps, because we're not bound. We have liberty. Amen. God has given us everything that that pertains to to life and freedom, or life and liberty. And so we need to take advantage of our standing uh, on this ground. And oh, by the way, we sung a song that talked about our standing. It said, what, what does it tell us? When you look around and you see where you're standing, what does that tell you about the ground you're standing on? It tells you it's yours. You are possessing. Every place your feet stand upon become yours. So this field that we're walking through doesn't belong to somebody else. It belongs to us. We're not trespassers in our own field. Amen? We have authority in this field. We have a position or a standing of ownership in this field. We are kings and, 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 and priests unto God in this field of life. So wherever you're standing, it's yours. Are you possessing where you're standing? It doesn't own me. I own it. Ruth and I have had conversations about this uh, many times about our possessions. The things that we own, the things that we have. It's not a whole lot in comparison to what a lot of people have, but uh, but we're 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 looking at these things and, and there isn't a single thing in my house besides Ruth that I that I would cling to and hold on to and try to uh, uh, try to to uh, serve and and, and and be bound to like a like a ball and chain. My things don't own me. We've got two cars. One's paid for and one's got one more payment on it. Amen. And I'm I'm excited about that because we'll own it. Praise God Almighty. Amen. February, this month, the last payment on that car. And it's ours. We own it. Hallelujah. But it doesn't own me. If the Lord were to say today, I want you to give that car away, I'd give, I'd sign that title and give that car away because it doesn't own me; I own it. You got the freedom to do it. Amen. Whatever stuff I have in the house, you know, I've got, I've got some things that mean things to me. I have sentimental attachments like anybody else. Like I have a brass cannon that. I, uh, 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 Brian Archer made for me on his own lace, you know. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I love that. It's got a great memory. But if God said give it, give it away, I'd give it away. I've got guns, But they don't have me. If God said give them away, I'd give them away. Hallelujah. I've got some paintings, you know. I've got some or actually prints of uh, of uh, Western scenes and things like that. That were made by a famous, famous painter who just recently passed away. And so they're going to be worth more now. But if God said, give it away, I'd give it all away. It doesn't own me. I own it. And you need to understand this field that you're walking across does not possess you. You are possessing it. There's a liberty in that. There's a freedom in that. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah! Not only are we authorized, authorized to rule over it as we pass through, but it cannot rule over us. We're not coming into bondage. I love this church. This is God's church. It belongs to God, and I belong to God. And uh, and you know, but if God were to say today, release it, turn it over to somebody else, and move on, then I would I would obey. Now that would be a sad moment. I, I, I know that. I mean, I've, I've done that before and we wept and cried. It would be a sad moment. But if God says let it go, then I let it go because it doesn't own me. It doesn't own me. This body doesn't own me. Whenever it's my time to leave it, I'm going to leave it in a flash. Amen. Amen. Now, I appreciate it. I'm glad I have one. I'm glad, I'm glad it's as healthy as it is. I, I, you know and and all that but it, it doesn't own me this body does not own me I tell this body what to do I keep my body under lest after preaching to others I myself might become a castaway that's Paul's words Paul said yeah I'm living in this body but this body don't own me i make it do what I tell it to do see when you're when you realize where you're standing then you know what you possess but you know you you also know it doesn't possess you. No, Psalm 119 talk tells us that we we need to pay attention to where we're stepping. Now I mentioned that briefly already but Psalm 119 verse 101 so this is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's Probably right in the middle of your Bible too. And uh, uh, Psalm 119 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way. You have control over where you step. As you're walking through life and through the field of life, uh, your feet don't command you. You command your feet. And you refrain your feet from every evil way. You stand not in the way of sinners. Amen? That I might keep thy word. See, the word of God. Keeping God's word is our focus. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The pathway you're walking on is lit up by the Word of God. There should be no question about where you step next because the Word of God will light that path. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in the light. In the light of what? His Word. As you're walking in the light of His Word, your steps will be secure and firm and you will not slip. Then as you're walking through the... uh, the field of life, you need to keep your eye on the sky. Why? Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3. Matthew 16, verse 2, he says, He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites! You can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? You see, when you're walking through this field, you keep your eye on the sky. It'll help you know where you are in time. It'll let you know if you need to speed up a little bit because the rain is coming. Lightning starts flashing in the middle of that field. You need to get low. You don't want to be the tallest thing in the field. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Keep your eye on the sky. If you see a storm approaching, walk faster. Amen. Be aware of the changes that are going on around you because they are prophetic. If you keep your eye on the sky, you can know what's about to happen next and make adjustments. Amen. Amen. Our walk through life is supposed to be with an eye on the sky. Prophetic. That speaks of prophecy, prophetic. First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32 says, uh, speaking of, of the children of Issachar. They were a specialized group of people. They were a small tribe, but they were a preferred tribe. They, they, they were the tribe that the leaders of Israel always kept close to them. Why? It's because they were men that had understanding of the times. To know what Israel ought to do. They advised the king because they understood the times. You see when your eye is on the sky you're going to understand the times and you're going to live a life well advised and be ready to advise others. Amen? When the Lord told me one time I was pastor in a church about we had We were running about 80 to 100 people, and our sanctuary would only seat 100 people. So when we had 100, they were packed in there. And so most of the time, we'd run about 80, but we knew we had to relocate. We knew we had to do something or we'd stop growing. And so the first thing we did was we bought some land because we couldn't build any more where we were, so we bought six acres of land, pretty close to where we were out on a main highway, and uh, had to go to the bank, of course, to borrow the money to buy the land. We bought six acres for $6,000 an acre, $36,000 for six acres, and it was kind of pie-shaped, and the long end was along the highway, which is just a perfect place, piece of ground to build a church. And our payments were $363 a month. And before they would agree to that, I had to agree to take in a $363 a month cut and pay. So basically, I was paying for the land. That's where their faith was. My faith was to do it and let God provide, which, which he did. I never, I never even missed that $363. But God began to, you know, we got it on a 10-year note at the bank. And so in their mind, we got, we're going to pay on this land for 10 years. And then after we pay it off, then we'll start thinking about building a church on it. Well, you know, I was, uh, I was young and in a hurry. And uh, God agreed with me, or I agreed with God. And so we paid on that. We paid on that maybe three, four months. And one Saturday night, I was praying about the service, and God said, it's time. I said, "It's time for what?" He said, "It's time to pay off that land." So, okay. He said, "In the morning, take up pledges. Three ninety-day ple- take up ninety-day pledges to pay off that land." And so I woke up the next morning. You know, all all, all you know, a little apprehensive because these were not people like you. These were difficult people. Amen. I had deacons, and demons, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I was always pushing against the grain, pushing against them, and they were always dragging their feet, and it was, it was, a, it was a tough time in my life, but it helped me build some muscles, and, uh, and so I got up the next morning, and I looked out the window, and there was ice on the ground, ice in the trees, and I thought, oh, great, I got to raise. I got to raise over thirty thirty thousand dollars, and and uh, ain't hardly anybody gonna be there today. I mean, so I go to church, and sure enough, we only had about thirty five people show up for church that morning because of the of the ice, and uh, you know, reasonable. And I said, Lord, uh, you want me to wait? And the Lord said, No, do it today. And I got up and I told him what God told me to do, and I told him, you know, we're going to take up. Uh, uh, 90-day pledges, and in 90 days, we're going to pay off that land so we can start building. And uh, I said, I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll pledge the first $1,000. I had no idea where I was going to get $1,000. I mean, I, I had no idea where that was coming from. And, uh, but, you know, you can't ask other people to take a step of faith without you taking a step of faith. So I said, well, I'll, I'll go first. I pledge $1,000 in 90 days. Guy on the back row, who was almost bankrupt, about about to go bankrupt in his business, pledged $3,000. Oh, wow. And then boom, 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 boom. In less than 10 minutes, we had $36,000 pledged. Well, $30,000 pledged. And uh, I couldn't believe it. One guy was a visitor that day. He came with his son, Don Cameron. And uh, and his name was Bill, and Bill Bill was sitting on one end of the pew, and Don and Becky and their two little boys were sitting in the middle, and Ida Joe, the mother, uh, she was sitting on the on the other end. And Bill, he le- he leans forward to look at Ida Joe, and he says he says like this one one for one thousand, and she leaned over and said that'll be fine. And he, oh, so he pledged $5,000. <laughs> he was a developer, and he, he, was, he had built a shopping center, and the shopping center was about to go belly up. He was about to lose everything. And he said, I, he had no idea, he's telling me later, he said, I had no idea where I was going to get $5,000, and I thought about calling you and begging off. And I would have let him off, you know, because it was a mistake. Maybe. But he said he talked to his wife and they decided they are going to pay that $5,000 if it was the last money they had. And so they paid that $5,000 and their business had a complete turnaround and he became a multimillionaire. millionaire And the guy on the back who was about to go broke, he pledged 3000 He was managing a, uh, uh, a, a golf course. His, his job was to manage a golf course and it wasn't his golf course. But his dad was in the heavy construction business, the road building business, and his dad calls him up and says, I have this, uh, I have this bulldozer that uh, uh, I want to give you as part of your inheritance. And so he gave him this perfectly good, big, expensive bulldozer, and with that bulldozer, he began his own construction business and became a multimillionaire. There was a Jew there that was there with his wife, his Christian wife, but he was a Jewish guy. His name was Arthur Fishel, F-I-S-H-L. And he gave $1,000. And he had already gone bank, he had started five businesses and he had gone bankrupt in three of them already. And he only had two businesses left. But after he made that pledge and paid it, he he made millions on, on those other two businesses built an asphalt plant and handled all the asphalt needs for the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex for like 10 years and then sold his asphalt plant for $10 million cash. And he told me, it all all these men, they told me it all started in that service. See, when God tells you to do something and you do it, he'll bless everyone who gets on board with you. Amen? Amen. So, you know, when you, when you, Keep your eye on the sky. You're going to know when it's time to move. When it's time to do something. Timing is so important in the kingdom of God. We need to look to the horizon also. Not just keep our eyes on the sky, but look to the horizon. So I'm talking about what you do when you're walking through that field. You need to be aware that everything around you will will heighten your awareness and keep you informed on what you're there for. And so when you look to the horizon... Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. You see, when you're looking at the horizon, you're saying to God, I don't expect to do this by myself. I'm expecting help. And my help cometh from the Lord. Verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth, and the field you're in, and he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He will not allow you to slip, stumble, or fall as you're passing through the field because you are acknowledging your need for his help. He said, in all thy ways, in all thy ways, and walking across that field is one of my ways, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Amen. Amen. Walking through life, you need to look at the horizon and always always be acknowledging that you need God's help. Amen? Amen. Because your help comes from the Lord. And then John 4.35 says uh, that uh, uh, while we're out there in that field, we need to pay attention to what's growing there. John four thirty five, say not nah ye there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. As you look around, put that picture up that where I, that first one we're, we're walking through a wheat field. I want to see the wheat field. I want to ask you a question. No, that's not it. It's the first one. There we are. Now, when you first saw this picture, did you realize that was wheat growing there? How many of you realize that was wheat? All you farmers. Okay, all city folks. Uh-huh. That's wheat. And uh, what kind of wheat is that? Anybody know what kind of what kind of field that is? It's dry land. It's dry land wheat. How do I know it's dry land wheat? It's not in rows. There's no irrigation wells, so that, that's either dryland wheat or, or pivot irrigated wheat. But it's it, and it's and uh, who can tell me where it is in this in this stage of growth? It's it's getting pertinent ready for harvest. See the golden the golden color and how some of the some of them are kind of uh, dropping down now. They're so heavy that they're bent over. Uh, it's harvest time. This guy's walking through a field of harvest, and it's harvest time. You need to be like, do what Jesus said. You need to lift up your eyes and look at the field around you because you'll discover it's harvest time. The fields are ripe unto harvest, and it's harvest time. Amen? And by the way, since you're walking across that field and it's your ground, it's also your harvest. And you have authority to harvest it. Amen? And we can harvest it with great power and authority because it's harvest time. And now... Now put up that last one that's got the two guys walking on the field. Matthew 28, you need to look at who's with you in the field. Because when you're walking across that field, you need to realize you're not, you're not alone. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, in the field, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So that, as you, have we got that? that that's you with the sick, and that's Jesus walking along with you, and, and he looks like he's got some kind of shears Knife, something, wearing his Nike shorts. That's Jesus. You and Jesus. He said, He said, Wherever you go into all the world, I am with you. I am with you. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Hebrews 13 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12.1. See, we're not alone. We've got Jesus with us. We've got this great cloud of witnesses. And if you'll look around, the rest of the body of Christ is somewhere with you on that field. We're walking across this field of harvest together. Amen. It's ours. We are possessing, we're taking back the land. We are driving out the inhabitants of that land. We're driving the demons and the giants out. We have authority over them all. We have power to, to uproot, tear down, and rebuild To plant and harvest. Whatever it is that God has commanded us to do, we can do it because greater is he that's in us that he that's out there in that in that in that field of life, amen? amen. Close your eyes with me right now, and I want I want you to I want you to just imagine yourself walking across the field. I covered seven things, but when the Lord was speaking to me, I think I, I think uh, in that dream before I woke up, uh, I'm, I'm maybe fifty to a hundred thoughts flash through my mind of things that I can learn if I just walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Things I can learn about me, things I can learn about others, things I can learn about the world that we're living in. If your source of information is only what you gain through the fleshly senses, then you're you're cut off from all the light and illumination God wants to bring to you. You gotta learn to walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm convinced that God wants to show you things. Paul said in that prayer he prayed about, I pray that you'll have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he says that you might know. That you might know. That word know there is revelation knowledge. That you might know and comprehend and understand what is the inheritance of the saints. What is the greatness of His power that is coming toward you, unending, without interruption, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. We, he wants us to know these things. They're, they're need, we need to come to revelation. So while you're walking through your life, which is your field, Pay attention to everything around you so that you can be illuminated. Amen. We walk not in the darkness. We walk in the light. Praise God. Father, I just thank you for that. Lord, I know this little different kind of message than I usually preach, but I just just felt inspired by the Holy Spirit To take this track. And Lord, we don't want to be people who just hang around the gate. But when we come into the field, we want to come in with purpose, with understanding that we can march across that field, reap the harvest that is in it, and arrive at the other side successful and victorious. We bind every rattlesnake, every lion every predator, all the hyenas and the wolves and the coyotes that would oppose us. We just bind them. It's our field. Get out. Get out. And we build a fence around it of divine grace and mercy, and we walk in an in, in understanding of who we are and what power has been given to us. And we thank you, Lord, for a successful journey and a victorious end and we give you praise and by the way we're going to enjoy the walk we're going to have fun hallelujah hallelujah we thank you for it in Jesus name amen before I have y'all lay hands on me for this journey I'm going on I, I want us to have communion together and so if uh, the Brethren, we'll gather the communion elements and share them with you. We'll do communion together because we're in union, co union, com- communion. That means we've come together and we've bonded together in unity around Jesus Himself. This is my body, He said. And I, I like what I heard a guy say the other day. He said, he did, Jesus didn't say this represents my body. When he took the bread that night, the last supper, he didn't say this represents my body. He said, this is my body. See, when we do this, we, we, we need to do this so focused on Jesus and his body that when we eat that bread, we eat that bread in our spirit, man. We're eating Jesus. We're, 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 we're taking part of his broken body. And he said, if you'll do it, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, even if he's dead, he'll live again. Why? Because there's resurrection life. The blood, the Bible says that the life is in the blood. Well, what life is in the blood of Jesus? The life of God, Zoe. The life of God is in the blood of Jesus. Healing for our physical bodies is in the body of Jesus. The life of God is in the blood of Jesus. When we consume His body and His blood, resurrection life fills our spirit, our soul, and our body. And we're healed from the inside out. You see, if, uh, if, the, if we're praying for someone who's not saved, God will heal them all. Yes, he you realize everybody Jesus healed was not saved. Everybody in the ministry of Jesus that God healed was unsaved, unborn again. But healing came to them, and it came to them from God to them, But it came from the outside of them and healed them. And it was sufficient enough to heal them. Even though it came from the outside. But once the Spirit of God dwells in us, healing doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. There's a river of life flowing out of you. Hallelujah. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. From the inside out. So how much greater... Should we be experiencing healing now that the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in our mortal bodies than when Jesus had to come to them and touch them from the outside? You see how much greater it is? We have the healer living on the inside of us. Amen. And he's named things specifically that he'll do. He'll... Make the lame to walk again. I've seen people that were lame; they were in wheelchairs and on walkers, and or or or, or uh, uh, on a cane. That's not that's not as bad as being in a wheelchair, but it still it still limits you. I've seen people in all stages healed and throw away their their crutches, throw away the things they leaned on, because the power of God in them healed them. Amen. I've seen it. I've experienced it in in a measure in my own body. And then I've seen people who were blind as a bat. And God would open their eyes and restore their sight. Jesus said, the anointing is upon me to to, uh, 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 preach the gospel to the poor and restoring of sight to the blind. See, we don't have to walk in physical blindness or spiritual blindness. Because Jesus restores our sight. Amen? And I I speak that specifically for Brenda's sake. On her birthday. On her 84th birthday. Let the Spirit of God that is in her restore all of her sight. Amen. I don't care what's causing it. I don't care anything about age or any of that. Moses was 120 and his, his vision wasn't dimmed, and he was not Spirit-filled. He was anointed, appointed. I mean, he wasn't Spirit-filled. He didn't have what you have. Amen? He didn't have the Spirit of the living God, the resurrection power of God dwelling in him. But at 120, his eye was not dim. So I just speak over you. No matter what your age, I, I, I speak full vision, full restoration of sight. In those eyes, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anybody, anybody need something like that? It's yours. It's yours by right of inheritance. Hallelujah. Let's eat the bread and be healed in Jesus' name. Go ahead and oh, praise God. Mm, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Just begin to rejoice in your health. Rejoice in healing and restoration for your body. Amen. You don't have to be it, don't have to be downhill from here glory to God (laughs) on the last day of Moses life he climbed to the top of the mountain and with perfect vision looked over into the promised land and he was just admiring the view and having a great time and he wasn't huffing and puffing or anything like that and God says Moses it's time for you to come on home Well, Moses body wasn't about it wasn't even half dead God had to jerk him out of it amen and then he had to go, God himself had to bury that body because it wasn't ready to die. Amen? So God God had to bury that body. And my, um, when God buries it, it stays buried. Amen? Praise the Lord. Man tried to bury Jesus, but Jesus' body wouldn't stay buried. See the contrast? God buried Moses, Moses' body stayed buried. Man buried Jesus, and Jesus' body came out, out of the grave. Hallelujah. Let's drink together in Jesus' name.